The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. So let's go now to the Word of God. If you all want to turn to Ephesians 1, 15 through 23 with me. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love to all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in all the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What we just heard is the very word of God. Amen. Amen. I always loved when somebody in my grandmama's church would sing this song. I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord, today. Because you care for me. In such a special way. That's why I praise you. I lift you up and I magnify your name. That's why my heart is filled with praise. I love you. I love you. I love you, Lord, today because you cared for me. In such a special way, that's why I praise you. I lift you up and I magnify your name. That's why my heart is filled with praise. Why don't you sing that with me? I love you, I love you. I love you, Lord, today because you cared for me in such a special way. That's why I praise you. I lift you up and I magnify your name. That's why my heart is filled with praise. Amen, church. Amen. That is the cry of my heart this morning. Well, it was January of 2011 when I walked into downtown church as one of the pastors for the very first time. Walked in uh, downtown church and uh, some of you remember 456 Tennessee. You remember those days where there was this literal long hallway where there was only one way in the worship room and one way out. 
literally you had to walk down this long hallway and everybody saw when you came in and everybody saw when you were leaving. Uh, we could see when, if, if you tried to sneak out before service was over, you know, we would be able to see. And I remember walking in for the very first time and standing before 60-something people. And it's so odd, oddly enough, uh, Richard was away preaching at the church that had sent me off after being there with them years. And I was preaching at downtown, and he was preaching at that church uh, here in the city. And I remember um, thinking to myself, Chris, what in the world did you get yourself into? And I know that those 60-something, 70 folks after that sermon were thinking to themselves, what in the world did we get ourselves into? Um, so, man, it, it's so crazy after experiencing all of that and coming in for the very first time and to see things now. And to see how God has grown the church now. And I, I want to tell you that I never imagined in a million years that I would love a church, a body, a, a, a group of people as much as I love you guys. I, I just want to tell you this morning that I love you. And I don't think I tell you that nearly enough. But downtown church, I love you. I love you. And when we come to this text this morning, what we have the privilege of peering in on is a pastor who loves his church. What, what you get to see is a pastor who has deep affections for the people he's teaching and serving. Here, the Apostle Paul, Pastor Paul, if you would take a, just a simple peruse through uh, Ephesians chapter 1 through 6, what you will see is that Paul loves his church. He loves them. He cares for them. You will see it all over the, the, the letters. In, in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, what we see is uh, doctrine. Paul is teaching his church doctrine. And in the second half of Ephesians, we see practice. But above it all, he loves this church. And I want to tell you this morning that I love you. And I'll nearly tell you that enough. That I love you. After so many weddings, after funerals, uh, after watching you go through heartbreak, after seeing the babies born, and getting to show up at the hospital, after all of that, I just want to tell you that I love you. That I love you. This is what we see in this passage. That the Apostle Paul loves his church. He loves them so much so that he wants to teach and challenge. He wants to, he wants to encourage. He wants to inform. He wants to challenge them to remember those things that they already know. He loves his church. And this is the reason I've taxed this text, dear church. But before we go to work, let's pray this morning. Father, thank you. Thank you that you first loved us. Father, I pray this morning that you just be with us, that you would speak to us. Father, I pray that you would help us to encounter you this morning. Father, I pray that you would move me aside, that we may hear from you. Lord, I thank you, God, that you are the head of your church. 
And whatever your church goes through, God, you are still in control. And I thank you, Father, that you will see your church through any season that your church finds itself in. I thank you, Lord, that you are leading your church, that you are guiding your church, that you are protecting your church. Even the Apostle Paul knew it, God, that you are the head of the church, that you are in control. And there is nothing that happens that is beyond your knowledge. And we thank you for that this morning. Speak to us, O God. And it's in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. You need to know that our passage begins on the heels of the Apostle Paul reminding the church of Ephesus of all of their spiritual blessings. Just before our passage, he says, We have been blessed with many spiritual blessings. I love this because it's not as if the the church of Ephesus, those small bodies of people who are believing in Jesus, it's not as if they, they, they don't know, they just need to be reminded. And Paul knows this. So he takes the time right before our passage to remind the church of Ephesus, the churches of Ephesus, about these spiritual blessings. And I, I dare I say we need to be reminded at times too. You and I so easily forget. You and I so easily forget the bargain we get when we accepted Jesus into our hearts and our lives. So this is exactly what Paul does. He reminds his church. He reminded the church of Ephesus that they were chosen before the foundation of the world. He reminded them that their future had already been predetermined. He reminded the church that they've been purchased, that they've been ransomed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Paul reminded them that forgiveness is available for them because of the grace of God that had been lavished upon them. He reminded them that because of their faith in Jesus Christ, they had an inheritance to receive because of Christ. Paul says, don't you ever forget all that God has blessed you with. Don't you forget. So no matter what you go through, no matter what this church family experiences, you need to understand that there are some spiritual blessings that nobody can take from you. That because of your faith in Jesus, God says, I have chosen you before the foundation of the world. Nobody can pluck you out of my hand. He says there is an inheritance for you to receive because of your faith in Jesus Christ. There's some spiritual blessings that Paul wants to remind his church of. And he says, don't you forget you've been chosen. That grace has been lavished upon you. That forgiveness is available for you. And you've been purchased. You've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But then in light of all this, Paul says in so many words, Dear church, I'm thankful for you. He says, I'm thankful for you. Look at verse 15 with me. For this reason, in other words, because of all these spiritual blessings that we've just talked about, because of I and because that I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love toward all the saints, get, get what Paul says. I do not cease to give thanks for you. It says, because of all these spiritual blessings that you have, that I want you to remember, and because of all that God has done for you, and because of your faith in Jesus Christ, 
I want you to know that I'm thankful for you. It says, I'm thankful for you. And it's so interesting because Paul hadn't got to them yet. Paul is sending this letter to be sent out among the churches of the Asia Minor. There's these churches in Ephesus. And he's sending out this letter to be passed around. And he heard the word that they are faithfully serving Jesus. That that these Gentiles had come into saving faith in Jesus. And it blesses Paul's heart. And he says, "I'm, I'm thankful for you. Because of your faith. And because of these spiritual blessings that nobody can take for you, from you. I'm thankful for you, church. And I gotta tell you this morning that I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you. Because I've had the privilege over the last number of years to see your faith. I'm thankful for you. I'm, my heart is glad for you. Because I've watched you trust God for your family members. And I've watched you trust God for that new baby being born. And I've watched you trust God when your marriage was troubled. And I've watched you trust God. I've seen your faith with my own eyes. I've seen it. I've experienced it. And it blesses my heart. But you know one of the things I love about this? Is Paul doesn't just stop at faith. He says... I'm thankful because of your love for one another. He says, I see your love for one another. I see your faith in God and your love for one another. And I love this because Paul acknowledges that there is no such thing as having love for God and not loving your neighbor. Paul says, if you are a person who professes Jesus, one of the indicators of an authentic relationship with Christ is that you will love one another. And he essentially says, I'm thankful for you, but you can't separate these two. There is no separating the love of God and the love of his people, the love of one another. And Paul identified this in the church of Ephesus and it blessed his heart. 1 John 4, verse 20 helps us with this. It declares it this way. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. That's the message of 1 John chapter 4. That one of the signs of authentic love for God is how we love one another. This is what Paul notices. And it makes his heart glad. He knows that the church of Ephesus, there are some who have much and there are some who have little. And the ones who have much have seen the ones who have little. And they have not turned a blind eye to them, but they have been a blessing to them. There are ones who don't have cars and there are ones who have extra cars. And and they say, you know what, I'm going to bless you with this car. I've seen that in you. I've seen that service in you. I've seen that love for one another in you. And it blesses my heart. It blesses my soul. It's so crazy, y'all. Um, I just remember um, one of the first times I sat down with the Gregories. 
and I'm going to embarrass them, but I remember the first time I sat down with them and, and, you know, I wanted to latch on to this family and I wanted them to know that they were welcome at downtown church. And so I just, I set up a dinner and a lunch and I said, look, I don't know what y'all are thinking about a church, but we need you here. But it became apparent as I began to get to know them even more that their hearts for justice, their hearts for other people, and to see them loving on children that don't belong to them, to see them walking with the students that they serve, it blessed my soul. I remember um, going to Joseph and Paige's house. Uh, and it was usually during a festival, I think usually during Cooper Young Festival, there was some big game going on. And there's all these people packed on their front lawn, most of which I did not know. And here they are, they got the TV on the porch showing this football game, and the whole neighborhood is out on their front lawn. And to see them open up their house and open up their home, y'all, I, I, I need you to know that it blessed my soul. I was thankful. To be one of the pastors of this church. It's crazy to me um, that I really remember every time I went to Miss Betty's house. I remember going to Miss Betty's house and all of these politicians for the very first time smoozing Miss Betty. And I'm thinking to myself, who is this lady? Like, how do all these people know her? But then as I got to know Miss Betty more and more, I realized that here she is opening up her home to love and serve people that were not her blood. And she's pouring into people and treating them like her own family. It blessed my heart to see that. Bless my soul. And it made me think of Paul in this text where he says, I saw your faith and I saw your love for one another. And I'm glad about it. And as one of your pastors, I've seen how you've served. I've seen how you've loved. I've seen how many of you have opened up your wallets and given to those who did not have. And it blesses my soul. And I love you for it. Thank you. But not only does Paul speak about this church that he is thankful for. So many words. Paul says, dear church. I'm praying for you. It says, I'm praying for you. Paul said in verse 16, I do not cease to remember you in my prayers. I do not cease to remember you in my prayers. I'm praying for you. When I think about you, Paul says, I'm praying for you. I am depending upon God for you. I am going to the throne of grace that God might work on your behalf. Listen, look at this in verse six, verse 17. It says this. I'm praying that God give you wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He continues in verse 18, that same thought, that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. That you may know the hope to which you were called. And even in verse 18 he says, That you may know the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Paul says in verse 19, I'm praying for you church, that you may know the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. He says, church, I am praying for you that you may know he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and gave him a position above anybody else's position. He says, I'm praying for you, church. 
And Paul is praying for this church that he loves dearly, that they may know the fullness of the power of Jesus. And one of the things I love about this is it's the reality that Paul understands this church that he loves. They have had a conversion experience. They've put their hope and faith in Jesus, and they've come to saving faith. And yet Paul says there is still work to do. He says, I'm praying for you that you may come into the reality of the beauty and the fullness of who Jesus is and what he has called you to do. I'm praying for you that you may see the the beauty of this inheritance that is given to you through faith in Jesus. He says, I am praying for you that you may know the hope that you have in Christ. They're believers. And yet Paul says, I'm praying for you. Paul says, I'm praying for you without ceasing. Paul exclaims, I'm praying that you may discover the full beauty of Jesus, of who he is and who he made you to be. And I love this because Paul began our passage by saying, I am thankful for your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he ends our passage by saying, I'm praying for you that your faith may remain in Jesus Christ. You know, the beauty of that is Paul begins and ends with Jesus. He begins with the beauty of Christ and he ends his passage with the beauty of Christ. And if you hear nothing else I say this morning, I want to end my time in front of you by saying that Jesus still reigns. That Jesus is on the throne. That Jesus has all power and dominion. That there is no ruler in heaven or on earth that is greater than Jesus. That he is supreme. And this is the message of of Paul. Paul says he is supreme. He was supreme in his death. He was supreme in sitting and laying in a borrowed tomb. And he is supreme in his resurrection power. He's supreme. And his name, as the Bible says, is above every name. His name is above every name. And he has a position that is above every other position. Sitting sitting at the right hand of the Father. Interceding on our behalf. And what does this tell us? It tells us that God has not left us alone to ourselves. But there is one in Jesus who is sitting at the right hand of Father. Whose name is above every name. Whose dominion is above anybody else's dominion. Whose power is above anybody else's power who is interceding on our behalf at the right hand of the father jesus is supreme paul ends and he begins telling us about the beauty of jesus and he says i am praying for you that you may see all the intricacies of who christ is and who he has called you to be in church i want to say to you this morning that i'm praying for you i'm praying for you That you would see the fullness of Christ. That you would see the beauty of who Jesus is. And even if you have come into saving faith, you still need to discover more of who He is. You still need to give more of yourself over to Him. You still need to discover the beauties and the intricacies of who Christ is. I'm praying for you.
Paul points to the power of the resurrection. For he knows the power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of the things I love is um, I've got a friend who's a secret service agent. And my friend who is a Secret Service agent, um, he uh, is on White House detail. And it's crazy because you can read about the Secret Service, you can uh, Google about the Secret Service, but it's nothing like seeing the Secret Service at first hand. And it's crazy to me because these presidential elections allow for us to see the, super, the Secret Service first hand. And whether it's Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, it's so crazy that people have attempted to charge the platform. And the people that you did not see initially, all of a sudden you see Secret Service agents beginning to surround this presidential candidate. They came out of nowhere. And all of a sudden they are willing to sacrifice themselves on behalf of this candidate. And it's so crazy to me that uh, I remember seeing a clip of someone charging the platform when Hillary Clinton was speaking. And uh, Secret Service surround her. And you could see that she was kind of shocked and she was a bit afraid and she was attempting not to show it, but you can still see it on her face. And the Secret Service is whispering to her, just keep talking. We got you. We're here. You can hear the audio of the Secret Service agent saying, just keep talking. It's not a problem. We've got you. We're here. Because the Secret Service agent is willing to sacrifice himself on behalf of this presidential candidate. When everybody else is moving out of the way, the Secret Service agent is moving into harm's way. When everybody else is ducking for cover, the Secret Service agent is moving into harm's way. This is the message of the gospel. And this is why Paul can say, Jesus, he has power in his resurrection because of the gospel that Jesus went toward us when everybody else was turning away from us. That Jesus did for us what we could not do for ourselves. He sacrificed himself. He shed his own blood that we may put our hope and our faith in him. And Paul says, because you have done that, I'm grateful for you. I'm thankful for you. And yet I am praying for you that you may remain in him. I'm praying for you, church that you may discover the beauties of who Jesus is, that you wouldn't just be satisfied with saying a sinner's prayer, that you wouldn't just be satisfied with asking Jesus into your heart, but that you may discover the beauty of who Jesus is, that you may fully see the wonders of His resurrection, that you may fully see the power and the beauty of the inheritance that is in Christ Jesus, that you may fully and completely see the wonders of the hope that is in Christ Jesus. I'm praying for you. It's crazy because I remember when we our church was officed at uh, 502 South Main, somewhere in there, we were in a little storefront and we only had a few office spaces and uh, my office was upstairs, and you had to get on this little spiral, this metal spiral stairwell to get to my office. 
And I remember a friend of mine I went to seminary with, this old black Baptist preacher, came to my office once. And I remember as he was walking in behind me, uh, I, I just kind of flippantly said, yeah, it's not much, but it gets the job done about my office space. And he responded to me, Reverend, all you need is a little floor space and a door to shut that you may get on your knees. He said, all you need is some floor space and a door to shut that you may fall to your knees in prayer. That you would bathe every sermon with prayer. That you would bathe your people in prayer. That you would pray. That you would take the responsibility of prayer upon yourself and intercede on behalf of your church. And I want to tell you, I am praying for you and I've been praying for you. I've been praying that God would deliver. That God would set free many of you from bondage of the stories that I've heard. That God would heal those broken places of broken relationships and addiction. I've been praying for you. And yet I'm praying for you. That you would remain in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your church, God. Thank you for the hope that we have. Thank you for the inheritance that is ours. Thank you for the forgiveness because of your grace that has been lavished upon us. Thank you that your name is above every other name, God. And we have one who is interceding on our behalf. We thank you this morning. And I pray that you would confirm in the hearts of your church, the love, God, that, that you so want us to see revealed in our lives. And I pray, God, that your church would remain in you. And I pray, God, that your church would be lovers of you and lovers of one another. That they would give of their time, their talents, and their treasures. That your name might be famous in Memphis, Tennessee, and beyond. That the nations, God, would hear of your name because of downtown church. And we pray, God, that it would be so. And God, we thank you this morning that it is not because of any man, that it is not because of any woman, that it is not because of any deacon or any elder or any pastor that your church thrives. It is because of you, God. And we thank you that you are the head of your church. That your church will move forward. That your church will endure. That your church will persevere. That your church can can take the hits and bounce back because of who you are. We thank you, God, that you will see us through. Thank you. That we have a message to cling to this morning in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now God I pray that you would bless these gifts that we're about to receive. That your fame would grow in Memphis because of them. That you would multiply them like you did those few fish and loaves. That there would be an abundance in this house God. God I do pray that 
Your will would be done in this church. Your will would be done in our hearts. That we would live and walk for you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.